0: Oh, we're back. Somehow. Uh, <laughs> after what I believe is the third cancellation of the season, uh, Hangout in the Holy Land has found its way back for episode 12. So uh, welcome back, all the uh, loyal listeners by way of Land Grant Holy Land. And uh, I'm joined by my co-host, Gene Ross. I am George Eisner, and we... Uh, we were excited to break down uh, what was going to be a, a thrilling and riveting installment of the game, but unfortunately, uh, like I said, we've had our third cancellation of an Ohio State game this season, and uh, you know, some some things happened in the league office at the Big Ten, and. Uh, now we're sitting on not quite the eve, but we are a few days out from the Big Ten championship game featuring Ohio State Northwestern. So, Gene, what do you what do you make of everything that happened since we last spoke?
1: Yeah, the universe does not want us to have a consistent podcast schedule. That is for sure. We cannot get like two weeks in a row. It seems like these days, but you know, at least the the Big Ten has has made some of the right decisions here since we last spoke and uh, has allowed Ohio State to play in the Big Ten championship game without hitting the six game minimum, which is. Ironic, because just today uh both the Indiana game and the uh and then the mission game, and um I think something else was canceled too uh not the ones I think it was just those two, but either way, uh if they didn't change that rule, we would be looking at a three and five Penn state team uh competing for the big Ten east because that's the only team that would be next up with the six game minimum so. Uh good thing the Big 10 came to their senses and we get to watch Ohio State take on Northwestern for the actual Big 10 championship.
0: Well, I feel a certain type of way about changing the rules in the middle of the season, but we'll uh we'll get to that in a bit. Um I think the more pressing topic first, especially since we didn't get to do a recap show is just, you know, kind of talking about the state of the rivalry between Ohio State and Michigan. Um it's you know, I, I, I very much look forward every year to I think my favorite part of being an Ohio State fan is is the rivalry with Michigan um, more so than, you know, the, the national success, whether it be with, uh, you know, players going to the NFL or, you know, recruiting dominance or, uh, you know, conference championships national championships whatever my my favorite part of every year year in and year out is the the Ohio State Michigan game and the uh you know how it's just one of not only the leading rivalries in college football but in sports in general and uh with you know the amount of tradition and history and and anticipation that comes in every year it's it's always one of my favorite times my favorite time of the college football season and it's one of my favorite times of the whole year so I was uh you know I've a lot of this has been expendable this season in terms of the games that we've had but um you know I that was one that I was really looking forward to and there was uh there was a pretty big hole in my heart this weekend when uh it didn't go down and I you know I think it's kind of good for at least Michigan's sake that it didn't but I just because it would it would have obviously been hellacious for them, and uh, you know it's probably the best outcome for for Michigan that if they hadn't changed the rules in the at the league office that uh, Ohio State would have been ineligible for the Big Ten championship because Michigan bowed out. But I'm wondering, you know, how sad of a state of things it is now that that's kind of the best case scenario for the other side is that they, you know, come out looking the best because they opted not to play. And, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, wind swirling around Harbaugh in terms of will he or won't he be back? Does Michigan have the stones to fire him or not? Who would they get as their next guy if there even is really like a designated Michigan man or would they go in another direction I mean, there's just so much uncertainty with the other side right now that I'm I'm really worried that the value, I guess, of the the brand that this rivalry has is is cheapening dramatically, and you know, just kind of more year over year now. And I, I don't I don't know if you feel the same way, Gene, but it it makes me very sad. It's it's one of my favorite elements of being an Ohio State fan, and I feel like that, you know, that 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 excitement that you get for the rivalry every year it just doesn't it's not the same when the other side just isn't measuring up to the the standards of uh the other one.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, as someone who, you know, wasn't really I grown up on the East Coast, not really big college football following out here. You didn't really grow up with the 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 classic college football rivalries like the Ohio State-Michigan's and the Alabama-Auburn's to follow. But, you know, even in just my short time following the team, you know it is obviously the biggest game of the year you know it it feels different than any other week you know you wake up on monday morning or even sunday morning following the saturday game and it's like it's michigan week we're ready to go like starting here on out and like you know the team feels that way too cuz they're practicing 365 days a year for michigan everything everything they do is preparing for that michigan game even though they have larger goals at stake and i think that is kind of the problem with the rivalry right now is that just one school has these bigger bigger aspirations ohio state is out here competing for for Big Ten titles and for national championships, and Michigan isn't even remotely close to doing that. They're they're they 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 can not even focus on the Ohio State game. They they've barely beaten the Wisconsins and the at this point Michigan States of the world. So like they're just they're clearly not on equal footing. Uh, as you could see in the recruiting rankings, it's not getting any closer. The gap between the two teams. Um, I don't think they're going to fire Harbaugh. I think he is just a Michigan man, and they're going to hold on to him for as, as long as they can and just kind of pray that he eventually writes the ship, which I don't know if he can. But, I mean, it's got something's got to change. It can only go up from here, right, after this year. So, I don't know. I mean, the, the Michigan rivalry is obviously a big thing, and it's a big deal. But I think at this point, like, Ohio State is almost like, how many more years can you go on just absolutely blowing this team out before it just becomes, you know, another guarantee that you're going to beat Michigan? And now, like, your goal coming into the season isn't even... A pair of gold pants it's it's winning the national championship which I think you know they're almost there now obviously the mission game still has the utmost importance I think a lot of the players on this current team especially or even any team would prioritize maybe a pair of gold pants over a big 10 trophy but I mean at this point it just seems like one team's goals are bigger than the other and it's it's not these two teams are not anywhere near on equal footing anymore to like to to be as competitive as they once were
0: well, when you say it can only go up from here, I I wondered how much truth there even is in that, given that one of the biggest criticisms of Harbaugh has been that they brought him in to just be a dynamo recruiter. And while he's he's had some big gets, there you know, he has not, you know, had the effectiveness of you know, what Urban Meyer did um, throughout his tenure at Ohio State or what Ryan Day is even doing right now. And to that point, Uh, The 2021 and 2022 classes for Ohio State are both shaping up to be incredibly deep, talented, explosive recruiting classes that are going to be hard for pretty much any Power 5 team to measure up against, let alone Michigan. And you you just wonder seeing that if the chasm is only going to become more pronounced and I I I agree with you. I don't think that I, I think that they're probably gonna give Harbaugh one more year. They probably feel like given with all the 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 craziness that this year has brought on for pretty much everyone involved in college football and you know, everyone around the world um that doesn't live under a rock. It's um you know, it's just tough. So I they probably wanna give him one more year. I wonder how wise that is. Um, it seems like both sides kind of want an amicable divorce at this point, but they don't really know how to do it without, you know, I guess making each other look good coming out of it. I feel like if Harbaugh actually had, um, you know, NFL coaching prospects, maybe it would have been a little bit easier for him to get out. Um, but I, if that was going to happen, I think that we would already probably have some pretty good indication by now that that would be the case.
1: Um. And the thing, too, with Harbaugh is like he was known coming in as a quarterback's guy. And what we've seen at Michigan at quarterback these past couple of years has been atrocious. I mean, Shea Patterson was terrible. Joe Milton came into this year, and Michigan fans thought he was going to be a Heisman candidate. He got benched a couple games in. Cade McNamara is okay, but I don't think he's anything special. And so for a guy, if, if you're going to come in with the representation representation Uh the uh the rep uh what am i looking for reputation (laughs) reputation that's what i was looking for if you come in with a reputation as a quarterbacks guy and this is what you're putting out there that just isn't going to cut it especially when the other half of the rivalry has a a quarterbacks coach who is bringing in guys like justin fields and kyle mccord and quinn ewers and it's just like you can't you can't be a quarterbacks guy and be putting the product on the field that you're putting on
0: well and i think maybe even worse than all of those would be the guy that he had that was arguably the best, or at least I think biggest name recruit he had, Dylan McCaffrey. Um, I just mean biggest name in terms of profile. Obviously, there's a lot attached to his dad and his brother with that. Um, but, you know, Dylan McCaffrey was the guy that they expected to be the one to run the show this year. And uh, he put in the transfer request before the season even started, uh, detailing he wanted to get out. Um, which was what prompted them to thrust Milton into the starting position and kind of just started the uh, the avalanche of problems that Michigan has had this year. So it's not only a problem of, you know, talent development, but talent retention too and getting your your guys to believe in your system and that you're going to be, you know, their best way forward for success and developing as, as a player and a young man. And just Harbaugh hasn't demonstrated that. now.
1: You also can't be turning five-star wide receivers like Donovan Peoples-Jones into sixth-round NFL picks, especially because he looks pretty good in the NFL, and I think he would... If Donovan Peoples-Jones played for Ohio State, I think he would have been a top-two round pick with how much talent I think he has, and just the fact that Michigan... Is taking these guys and not developing them and not using them to the the best of their abilities is just you know I don't I don't know what they're doing up there.
0: Yeah, I was yes, Jabril. I, it was very important that Jabril Peppers got touches in that offense while Donovan People Jones was at Michigan. That's why he didn't catch as many footballs, I think. Um, but yeah, it was a long winded way to tell a Michigan joke. But in any event, uh, we've I think we've talked about Michigan enough. Point is, we're I'll I'll, I'll feel at least not entirely terrible the next time Michigan beats Ohio State, if it ever happens again, just for the the sole purpose of seeing the rivalry come a little bit closer together. Maybe if Ohio State can keep rattling off victories until they finally, I, I believe that Michigan's got like 12 more wins or something all time at this point, it might be a little bit less than that. But once they've kind of maybe evened out or narrowed that margin a bit, then they can, you know, let one go. And hopefully we can start to see the sides bridge the gap a bit. But for right now, not feeling great. Uh, especially coming off of the first year without an instance of the game in uh, over a hundred years, so that was that was unfortunate to miss. But
1: yeah, even even in a year where you know Michigan was really bad, it, it's it's always good to get that game, and it's still no matter what you think about the rivalry, it sucks that that game wasn't played.
0: It would have been a great pick me up for Buckeye fans in 2020, but it is what it is. Um, moving right along, then, uh, I alluded to it earlier in the show. Uh, you're you seem pretty. You you seem like it was the, or at least are are happy with the decision by the office to change the rules. Um, I can't say I feel the same way.
1: My my biggest gripe with it was just that like if they didn't change the rule, uh, like Indiana was a great story. They're a great team. I think they are legitimately very good, but they lost to Ohio State on the field, and like they, that's that's all it comes down to. I don't care if you played ten more games in Ohio State. If you're tie, if you're in a tiebreaker with them and the tiebreaker is a head-to-head and you lost the head-to-head, you're out. And it's not like Ohio State's played bad. It's not like Ohio State has a loss. And like I think the re- the main reason the Big Ten changed the rule is because even if Ohio State had played Michigan and lost they'd still go just on the, the point of having that sixth game. So Ohio State could have just took a virtual forfeit against Michigan and made the Big Ten Championship. So that's why I think like oh, the only thing they could have done is really change the rule because it would have been dumb to have a different team represent the Big Ten East when Ohio State is clearly the best team in the division and the conference.
0: My, my I, I'm looking at it strictly from the standpoint of even in a year like this, it's not good practice for a conference to change rules in the middle of the season, where the benefit clearly and directly rests with one team in particular. Um, it just—I I don't anticipate that something like this is going to happen again in a normal college season. It's just not—I just don't think it's good optics, and this is a season that you know, for every for everything that's happened, it's not, it definitely doesn't hold the same level of authenticity as a traditional college season would. Um, even if Ohio State ends up winning the national championship, I think the championship itself is still impressive, but you're still going to be talking about a team that won the national title having only played eight football games where normally you would have to play, I think now you play including the playoff if you're in a power five uh conference with a title game that's about 15 games so they played roughly half of the same schedule as the other teams play in a normal year and they still won um so i mean I, it's gonna be for a lot of people regardless of who wins it's gonna be an asterisk trophy anyway so you wonder how much in the grand scheme of things this season really matters when you think about that um, and I, I it's just it's just not a good look for the conference to be doing that. If Ohio State wins, all the fans of college football around the country that don't like Ohio State, which is nearly everybody uh, that isn't a Big Ten fan, is going to be saying, you know, anytime an Ohio State fan complains about officiating or bias or any of that, it's always going to be, hey, remember when they changed the rules in the middle of the season to benefit your team so that you could, you know, play for a national championship or at least go to the big 10 championship. Um,
1: yeah, and I get I get the optics side of it, but at the same time, like I think any conference would do this for their best teams to prop it up, and like Ohio State putting Ohio State in the best position to make the playoffs is good for the whole conference because they get the rest of the conference is going to get that playoff money dispersed the rest of it. So I think they're really doing it for the good of the conference, and I really think they would do it for any team that was in the scenario, not just because it's Ohio State. I think just positioning whatever your top team that year is to make the playoffs would benefit you in any way. And I think the SEC would do the same for Bama. I think the ACC would do the same for Clemson. And I I mean, I don't know if we're, if we're still expecting the Big Ten to make good decisions on anything at this point, then we're, I don't know what we're doing, but that they should have, it's on them that we got to this point anyway. I mean, they had a 10 game schedule over 12 weeks that would have started in September and we wouldn't have had to deal with any of this, which would have been the, the ideal way to handle things. But they didn't do that. They they blew it at pretty much every turn. And I mean, now it's just, Ohio State's just a product of their, like the Big Ten's failures, not their own. So I think it's fair to not punish Ohio State for the conference being incompetent up to this point. Well, and
0: that was the other side of why I wanted this was because it would have been particularly after the developments today, which I'm not entirely aware of how it breaks down, but it would have been very, 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 very funny if, you know, after the clown show we had in August, um, if, you know, they brought back the season with the primary motivation being they need Ohio State to be able to compete or else, you know, I – well, no, they weren't going to, you know, leave and go compete in the SEC or something. That's ridiculous. But they, you know, they were. They wanted to play a season. They needed to play a season. A big motivation for the Big Ten to have its entire season this year was for Ohio State. Well, so I. So the development today was that I believe because of the cancellation in the Indiana game, Penn State if the rules had you know, remained consistent, Penn State would have been going to the Big Ten Championship, which would have been – honestly, I think it would have been a perfect representation of how this Big Ten season has gone. It's been a mess from the beginning. And uh, so a team that lost its first five games gets to go to the title game because of poor planning from uh, the commissioners and the league office. And uh, – <laughs> Hey, now you're gonna get Northwestern versus a what? Well, I don't even know what their record is, but they won what one or two games?
1: Three and five, Penn State. Yeah, from a comedy aspect, honestly, that would have been the greatest thing ever. But you know, from a real from a logistics <laughs> point, they obviously couldn't do that. But yeah, because of Indiana's cancellation, uh, Maryland would be the next team, but they right. also haven't played six games, so then it would go past them, and then it would go right to Penn State, right at the bottom. No,
0: and I, I think that that would have been a perfect representation of you know that's that's the Big Ten commissioners getting their comeuppance. Um, it'll in another way they'll get their comeuppance if Northwestern wins this weekend because all this bending over backwards that they've done for you know the last few months for Ohio State now is just it would it would all go up in smoke if Northwestern ends up upsetting them in the Big Ten championship. So I can't you know if God forbid you know knock on wood and we don't want it to happen, but if you know the Buckeyes were to go down this weekend, you would at least have that you know uh maybe not a saving grace but that that silver lining in the clouds of you know the kevin warren and everyone all these guys that you know clearly did not make the right decisions uh the last few months and you know even if they ultimately did took too long to get so and didn't really put the appropriate planning in uh that would have made this whole thing a lot better for everyone involved Um, you know, it it couldn't have happened to a nicer group, but obviously, we're hoping for that Ohio State wins. It's not going to be an easy game, though, and uh, we will uh, get into that next. Uh, if you haven't heard, uh, Northwestern is very legit. Um, they were a top 10 team at one point this year. Uh, they (laughs) that didn't last very long, unfortunately. They, uh, you know. Flew a little too close to the sun the week they played Michigan State and ended up dropping that one uh, in somewhat embarrassing fashion. But otherwise have been a pretty impressive team this year. Uh, They beat Wisconsin when Wisconsin was ranked 10th. Uh, And uh, they've, you know, outside of that Michigan State game, they've looked pretty good in a handful of other games. They finally kicked Mick McCall to the curb, who had been their offensive coordinator for uh, the better part of the last decade and one of the worst in college football at doing his job and uh mike hankwitz announced he's going to be retiring after this game and he's been around there for about 13 years and been a big part of their success so a lot of a lot of interesting uh storylines around this northwestern team coming into this game it's definitely uh one of the better ones in recent memory i think it's certainly a better team than the one that made the big 10 championship in 2018 but uh I don't. I don't know, Gene. How do you. How do you feel about these Wildcats heading into the Big Ten Championship?
1: Yeah, I mean it's tough. You know, in the year of 2020, all these these weird losses we've seen pop up here and there across college football have certainly been eye-opening, and it's tough to just look past Northwestern losing to a team that Ohio State just absolutely bludgeoned without half their team out with COVID. So uh, that's a tough look for Northwestern, but they do legitimately have one of the best defenses in the country. Even with that loss right now, uh, Northwestern is number two in the in the country in scoring defense. They've only allowed an average of 14.6 points per game, and they haven't allowed more than 29 points in a single game this season. And so it's going to be strength on strength going into this game. You know, Ohio State has the number four scoring offense, averaging 46.6 points per game. So something has to give there. Uh, Northwestern's been really good in the passing game. They're number one in pass efficiency defense, and they're 12th in total interceptions with 12 on the season Um, so their, their defense is legit, you know, I mean, they haven't really gone up against a quarterback like Justin Fields, obviously, because there isn't another one of him in the big 10, but this will be a very legit defense. They don't really have the, uh, They don't really blitz like the Indianas of the world. They just kind of stay solid and they stick to their schemes. They're not like a crazy all-out rush like the Indiana ran against Ohio State with Justin Fields and kind of got him off kilter. But they they do have some guys to make some plays, and it's tough to lock down Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. But if there was going to be a team in the Big Ten to maybe test this passing offense, uh, it would be Northwestern. But then on the flip side of the ball, I mean— Northwestern's offense is is not very good at all, although neither is Ohio State's defense. So it's 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 strength on strength here, it's weakness on weakness, and it's going to be you know whichever one executes better is going to prevail, and you know we'll see what happens, I guess. Well, I so
0: I think there's some context needed for each sides of those. Um, so I guess starting with Northwestern's defense, uh, they're definitely it's definitely the strong point of their team. It's been pretty excellent on a national scale, even the last uh, few years. But uh, They've been they've been particularly good this year Against both the run and the pass um, Their run defense Was obviously the biggest reason They were able to beat Wisconsin Just because they were a- never able to really get anything On the ground Which is a pretty remarkable achievement Given how much that uh, The Badgers have committed To running the ball In recent years The Northwestern was able to stifle them For pretty much the entirety of that game um, But Northwestern as good as they've been this year. I mean, they just – they the Big Ten West is so unbelievably bad. There is not a single passing offense in that division that even comes close to representing what the Buckeyes have put out this year. And what the Buckeyes have put out has by no means been perfect – um you know we've we've talked about fields taking unnecessary sacks the offensive line as a unit isn't entirely there at this point just in terms of um you know being able to read stunts and those delayed blitz like we like you mentioned happen a lot in the indiana game um there's still a lot of things that need to get worked out but we also have seen enough at this point to know that fields throwing the ball to olave and wilson is one of the most electric uh, those two combinations, Fields Olave and Fields Wilson, are two of the most electric in college football, and they're both on the same team, lining up on opposite sidelines on any given play. Um, Northwestern has not had to face anything even remotely close to that this year. Uh, it, the strongest passing attack, I think, has been you know Graham Mertz, who's a freshman, and uh, that was playing was that was them getting to play Wisconsin at home. And, uh, yeah, it just, and I, Mertz did not have a good game. He threw a couple pretty bad picks. Um, He's fallen off
1: a cliff this year after his first, like, outstanding performance. He's really yeah. struggled in year one.
0: Yeah, so they, they just have not had to face a, a national, like, power-caliber passing game this year. And I don't know, I, I, their defense may very well be equipped to handle that kind of stress, but I know that, you know, coming into a, a stressful environment like a championship game, albeit I think it'll be a little bit less intense given it'll be empty in Lucas Oil, presumably not really too many fans, not a whole lot of noise, but still, you know, going to be stressful as a championship game. And you just wonder if having not, you know, faced that kind of talent this year, if they're just going to be, you know, properly anticipating it and how much that's going to come back to bite them and the problem for them is if they give up an easy lead they don't have the offensive firepower to pull themselves back in the game I they're they're they've got some respectable skill players um on you know not only a receiver but a running back and Peyton Ramsey is a guy that has kept Indiana in multiple games with Ohio State before uh when he was with the Hoosiers The the problem Northwestern has is that Ramsey has what my roommate likes to he affectionately refers to as a noodle arm, and it is a pretty accurate comparison. Ramsey cannot there's like no velocity on his throws, and he he really struggles to get the ball out quickly beyond you know ten or fifteen yards. Uh, Most of the time when when Northwestern's trying to attack downfield, they're really just praying that they pick up a pass interference penalty. So if Ohio State gets an early lead, I, I don't feel very threatened by the odds of Northwestern being able to you know, put the clamps on Ohio State and dig themselves back into the game if they're down multiple scores. But if this game hangs around a single score territory favoring either team for you know, more than the first half, that's when this starts to get into more of the brand of football that Northwestern wants to play. And I think that's when you need to start worrying a little bit if you're an Ohio State fan.
1: Yeah, I think legitimately that if Ohio State scores twenty eight points, like at any point in this game, it's over. Like I, I just don't think that Northwestern can. No matter how much Ohio State's defense has struggled this year, I don't think they've struggled enough where they're going to let up thirty, thirty five points. To Northwestern, and so if Ohio State gets out to a lead, like you said, I think it's going to be a long night for Northwestern. Actually, long afternoon. This is a noon game apparently, so that's fun. But uh, even to make matters even worse for Northwestern, it looks like. Um, Pretty much all of Ohio State's absentees from the Michigan State game are now back. We've seen pictures in practice of pretty much all the offensive linemen back in practice. They've talked about it in interviews. Like they've mentioned some of the guys by name that they're back at practice. On the other side of the ball, Proctor and Borland are back. They've been in photos in practice. So Ohio State should be pretty much at full strength, you know, barring any practice injuries, knock on wood. But. Um. Yeah. Uh. It's gonna be a full strength Ohio State going up against Northwestern, and they I, they like you said they just if this gets away from them early, it's it's gonna be ugly for Northwestern because Ohio State is going to score, and Northwestern just just can't like their their offense isn't terrible, but the the strength of their offense is the run game, and Ohio State's been dominant against the run this year. And it's not like I mean Northwestern's run game is good, but they don't have a lot of guys averaging like big chunk plays. It's a lot of you know classic Big Ten football three yards in a cloud of dust type of stuff. They they're not gonna really put up points quickly on you. So if there's you know, even if it's halftime, if it's 28 nothing, I think the game's over.
0: They, they have three, and I want to be nice to him when I say this because I actually really like him as a player. They have three Carlos Hydes at running back. Um, Carlos Hyde was never a guy that was going to rip off a 20, 30-yard gain for you, but he was a guy that was going to fall forward for four or five yards almost every single play. And that's really what Northwestern has. They've got like three, four guys that are going to fall forward every time. They're not, you know, going to rip you for any super significant chunk. Um, They did have, I think they had one fresh, he might've been a freshman, but they had one guy that didn't get a ton of playing time before that got some burn against Illinois that looked good and looked pretty explosive. But again, they were playing Illinois. So you can, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, but again, not it's it's a lot more smash mouth old school football. My my roommate affectionately refers to it as drag me to overtime football. Um, which I think is a pretty accurate description. I think
1: it's incredibly accurate. I love that. That's incredibly accurate. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's 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 how they do it. Now they've and again, they've got a little bit more skill, I think, on the outside that they've had in recent years. I think Riley Leese is a really good player. He he might have a better arm, honestly, than Peyton Ramsey does. So if they I know that they pulled out one reverse they did a wide receiver reverse pass with him against Wisconsin that almost set up one of their TDs. So I uh you know, keep keep an eye out for how they use Riley Lees in the game this weekend. Um I'm gonna screw up his name, but Ramad Chiao Kiao Bowman uh
1: is a pretty I'm glad I'm glad you went yeah. for that one before I did, because I read that. I'm I'm just like, nope, not happening.
0: Well they just they just call him R C B. But uh, he's he is a really good like uh, I, I had the chance to watch the Wisconsin game again and he he had some good you know little toe tap sideline ability um, in that game so he's he's definitely one of the more talented receivers they've had in recent years so they're they, they're boasting a little bit more talent at the skill spots that I think people are used to seeing from them and Peyton Ramsey is more competence than they usually have a quarterback and they've got a new offense so I. We could see some surprises. I just think that based on, you know, what we've seen from a lot or what we've seen from their opponents this year in terms of how they've been challenged relative to what we know Ohio State brings to the table, it's the potential for this game to get away from them uh, quickly, I think, is a lot higher than for them to stick around, is, you know, basically in summary.
1: Yeah. I just don't think there's a defense in the country that could hold Justin Fields under 40. And, uh, Good luck scoring 40 as Northwestern. I'm sure
0: Luke Fickle would love a crack at him just about two hours away. But, well, unfortunately, I think the odds of a uh, an all-Ohio college football playoff semifinal are uh, dwindling by the day.
1: Yeah, it would have been fun. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, we could have a college football playoff discussion after the Big Ten Championship game, but if uh – if Bama wins Ohio State wins and uh, Notre Dame wins convincingly over Clemson I don't know what the heck they're gonna do it for and I think since he could sneak
0: in maybe we'll see I'm praying for him I think they deserve it but in any event we've uh we've broken down pretty good here I think so um yeah we're I I can't remember what your prediction was for Michigan State I, I think you were closer than I was um, I i I honestly
1: have no clue. That feels like it yeah. was decades ago at this point. I think
0: we were both like, I, I, I we were, we're like forty nine. I think we were like, I, I was like forty nine twenty, and I think you were forty nine something else. And I, I remembered the game kicking off, and I just instantly regretted picking twenty as my number because I remembered I was watching Michigan State. So, <laughs> um, I think you were a little bit closer. But uh, why don't you hit me with your prediction, Gene? How do you think this shakes out this weekend?
1: All righty. So all time series, Ohio State sixty three, fourteen and one. Uh, they've won eight straight, dating back to two thousand five. Uh, obviously, last year they blew them out in Evanston. They won fifty two to three. The last time they met in Indy it was forty five twenty four. That was back in twenty eighteen, and uh, you know, I think this Ohio State team is somewhere in between the twenty nineteen team and the twenty eighteen team. Uh, I don't think they're quite as dominant as last year, but they're certainly not as bad as 2018. And I think Northwestern has gotten significantly better since the last time we saw them. And so I, I don't think they're they're really going to test them very good. I don't think they have the offense to do it. But um, I think they can hang around for a little bit, and then maybe Ohio State pulls away as just the Northwestern defense can't get off the field. So I'm going to say um, 45-17 as my prediction. Uh, I don't think it'll be close. I think Ohio State covers the spread. They're twenty and a half point favorites last time I checked, and uh I, I don't think they'll have a problem uh hitting that number.
0: Uh I don't think they're good. They have
1: not Ohio
0: State has not scored less than thirty-eight all season. Um but I don't know if they have played a defense yet this year at the caliber of Northwestern's in the same, you know, way that we're saying Northwestern hasn't faced an offense in the caliber of Ohio States. Um but I think playing defense if if this season has taught us anything, it's that uh playing, if you weren't already aware, playing defense in college football is a lot harder than playing offense. Um so I think well, I don't think Northwestern will necessarily put the clamps on Ohio State. I do think that Ohio State probably ends up with their lowest scoring game of the season to date. Um, but the big problem that we've talked about a lot with this team is, you know, getting complacent in the second half. You know, whether they're, you know, not wanting to put more stuff on film or just, you know, getting ready and conserving energy for whatever opponents next week. Uh, there, there is no opponent next week. It's uh, you got to you win and you're in. So they really got to just you know leave it all out there. And I, I would expect, given how much football that they've lost in the last month, with all the cancellations, and that this really being their last opportunity for them to tune up before the playoff, that they really, you know, go all out to demonstrate that they're you know up to the standard and and tuned up and ready to go. Um, so I think that we see a better performance out of the defense that we've, than we've seen um, the rest of the year. And uh, even though we get the lowest scoring performance out of the offense, I think that we still see good things from them. And I'm going to say 31-14 Ohio State.
1: I just want you to know that we're uh, we're doing this as the college football playoff mm-hmm. is being announced, and Florida is number seven. What a joke is that?
0: Who's in front of
1: them? Uh, Iowa State at six. A&M at five, and Ohio State at four. But the fact that Florida, who just lost to a terrible LSU team because they threw a shoe, uh, is ahead of Cincy and other teams of that like is asinine. I don't know. But I digress. We'll get there (laughs) next weekend.
0: And if I'm a non-power five team, I'm just I'm just quit the NCAA right now.
1: Man. I mean, you'll never if you can't if you can't get in this year with how crappy everything is behind Ohio State. Yeah, that's then it's that's
0: never pretty done. flagrantly disrespectful that they would put a two lost SEC team ahead of an undefeated non-power five team. I don't. What are we doing, people? I don't, I don't know. Let the let the little guys have some fun too, or at least expand the pool to eight teams. That it seems I. Every I feel like every everybody says oh we're we're heading towards eight teams it's inevitable and there's you know there's always talk but there's never any actual momentum when there's always a lot of reasons so I hope I hope this year serves as the most sparkling example yet that we really you know more teams is better uh, even if you know we we got to find a way to you know make it fair for everybody if they're going to be playing or they're going to be asking college kids to play more games but uh, you know I. Four teams ain't cutting it right now, and I think a lot of people are going to be upset uh, next week around this time when results start coming in. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, as you said. Uh, we're uh, a little bit over the half hour mark here now, so I think it's a good place to wrap up. Uh, Big Ten Championship is, I believe, at noon uh, this Saturday. It's usually in the evening, but it will be a nooner uh, this weekend, so be sure that you're uh bright eyed and bushy tailed for that one, uh, bright and early on Saturday. And um yeah, we'll look forward to it.
1: It's a it's a great it's a great slate of games on Saturday because you got Ohio State at noon. And then if they win, they're in at this point with Florida's lost, I would imagine, although now they're at seven. I would imagine even if Florida beats Bama, they wouldn't get in over Ohio State. So as long as Ohio State wins, you can then kick back on the couch for uh, Notre Dame, a, uh, Notre Dame Clemson at four and then at eight o'clock is, or seven o'clock, whatever it is, the night game is Bama, Florida. So it's a, it's a great slate on Saturday. Yeah, it
0: should be good. I look forward to watching it. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back the day after soon again, knock on wood. I know last time we did that, they canceled the game, but assuming the game happens, uh, we will be back in your ear Sunday, uh, with a quick recap of the big 10 championship And uh, following the playoff announcements next week, we should have another episode for you going over uh, the decisions from the committee and uh, what to expect uh, in Ohio State's game uh, with their to-be-determined opponent. So uh, we look forward to doing all that. But in the meantime, thank you very much for tuning in once again. And uh, for Gene Ross, I'm George Eisner, and this has been Hangout in the Holy Land, Episode 12. And we'll be back in your ear on Sunday. So thank you very much for
1: tuning in and take care. See you Sunday, hopefully.